Hello, my chit-chatters. How are you? And welcome to a raw, unedited episode of Chit Chat with Jose and Miguel. Um, I have some exciting news. So we're moving on to bigger things. And what do I mean by that? So I've been working with someone who has become a dear friend of mine. Her name is Stephanie Gass. She's actually going to be on the show next week. So I'm excited for that. And um, she's a clarity coach. And she has been a tremendous help to me in helping get clearer in my messaging, helping get clearer in what I'm meant to do and how I'm supposed to serve people. And ultimately, this podcast um, became something that was part of a brand which is Coaching with Jose and Miguel. That's my business. That's what I do. And the name Chit Chat with Jose and Miguel was a clever name to just get it out there and really create the experience and the environment. What the podcast is going to be now called is Life and Business Coaching for Millennials, Chit Chat with Jose and Miguel. So the name is still there. We're still having many conversations. We're still having interviews. What's adding to the podcast, what's being added is coaching sessions. So what you're going to experience in the future is 50% coaching sessions on the calls and 50% interviews. So I'm super excited for what's to come. I'm going to share with you a little bit of what to expect going forward. So here goes. Are you a millennial who is struggling to find more purpose? Do you feel confused when you think about what you were created to do? Do you waste time on search engines searching for a better fit? Do you feel unfulfilled with what you're doing on a day-to-day basis? You don't have to feel that way anymore. Welcome to Life and Business Coaching for Millennials, a safe space where people from all walks of life can come together to learn, grow, and transform a place where diversity is celebrated and encouraged, where we can have open, honest, real conversations about uncovering your purpose in business, feeling more joy in your life, and ultimately finding more happiness and success. I look forward to having meaningful conversations and coaching sessions that will help you explore life and career options, be inspired, fueled, and filled with laughter. It's time to chit-chat with me, Jose Miguel. So I'm so excited to bring you all on this amazing journey. I know that the podcast has been around for a little bit over a month, and I'm also excited to say we've hit 100 downloads. Yes, one zero zero, And I'm celebrating that because every win is worth a celebration. And to have 100 in less than a month where I didn't think anybody would listen has been amazing. I'm also going to put a shameless plug here. If you are someone who thinks you need some coaching in your life, why don't you take a screenshot of the podcast, do me a favor, follow, like, leave me a comment, and then share. Share it on Instagram stories and tag me. I am picking three people every month for a free coaching session. And what could happen is after picking those people, one of them, or maybe all of them, could potentially end up on the podcast. So 
it's just my way of giving back. I've always been able to say that I always give something back to people. And I think it's really important to do some of this work for free because otherwise, how are people supposed to know who you are and what you represent? And that's my way of doing this. Um, I'll also mention that, yes, I'm doing this with no editing. So basically what you're hearing in quality of sound and recording is what you're going to get in the version that I'm uploading to for you to listen. So if you happen to hear any noises or background noise, I'm in my camp up in Pulaska, New York, I'm recording this session for you. Um, I've got my two babies, Hastings and Eastwood, laying down next to me while I'm sitting on the counter with my mic and my laptop. So let's just dive in here and get right to it. So this episode is part two of a two-part episode called Getting to Know You, Not You, Really Me. So I kind of left part one off talking about um, my late 20s or my early 20s and you know the transformation that I had from my adolescence to my adulthood. I've always been a fan of saying that you become an adult when you hit 25. And I feel like for me and maybe many other people, you know, some people would say that their high school years were the best, or some people would say that their 20s were the best, and some people would say maybe the 30s were the best. I find that for me, my 20s were a lot of exploring, a lot of mistakes. I experienced a lot of death. My sister passed away when I was 22. That's something that I'm still healing from, you know, 15 years later. Uh, my grandmother passed away when I was 20. Um, my, my father's mother passed away as well. I think I might have been 23 or 24 when that happened. Um, just a lot of death. Tita's husband, you know, Eduardo, who was my uncle, he passed away in my, you know, late teens. I think he was 17 or 8. I was 17 or 18 when he passed away. So, you know, in, in, a, in less than a decade, I had so much death and so much um, sadness. And my life was just a nonstop roller coaster. And it, it just allowed me to experience things in ways that I had never experienced them before. Um, I also did something really weird that people would never think I would do. When my grandmother passed, I kind of lost my mind a little bit. And I ran um, because that's how I dealt with that situation. I didn't know what to do. I wanted to be alone and I wanted to look for the next thing that I think was going to help me. And instead it hurt me. So I'm going to try and make this part of the whole entire episode short, but it's an important story to tell. Because I think I grew as a person and as a human, as a man from this experience. So I remember my grandmother passed away October 31st, um, 2002. And I decided to join the military. Yes, I, Jose Miguel Longo, said I joined the military. And I joined the, the Navy. Uh, when I was 18 and in high school, I took the ASVAP and I scored an 89 on the ASVAP, um, which is the exam you take to determine what career is best suited for you when you join the military. And for me, the idea of going very, very far away in a time where I felt like my whole world fell apart was 
so important. I didn't want to be around anybody that I knew. The best part of my life was gone, which was my grandmother, my mother's mother. And I just felt completely lost and completely... Just, I mean, I just don't even, can't even describe it. And even so now I get like goosebumps. I'm sitting here saying everything because it just, it really messed me up as a person, losing the person who I loved and adored the most. And when I went away, I wasn't in the right state of mind, to say the least. I think it was more of, I need to leave, I need to leave now. Um, and, you know, I, I picked a job as a medic, which was eight weeks of boot camp and then 12 weeks of training at Great Lakes and then another 12 weeks someplace else. It was almost like a six month to an eight month training altogether, including boot camp. And I signed up for 12 years, which was crazy. And in the process, so what some things that people don't really understand about the military, and I don't know if I could date this, but I was discharged honorably um, anyways. So some things that people don't know about the military is that until you don't go through a process of confirmation, once you get to your training center, which means that you go from civilian to military, they have to confirm that you're eligible to be there. So it's one thing that your recruiter works with you to complete your paperwork and get you signed up and get you going, but it's a whole other process when you get there because it's a it's basically, how do I describe it best? You get put into groups of people and they start to go through all your civilian medical documentation, all your civilian paperwork to determine if you are fit for the military. And so I did nothing in my paperwork. Like I, fill, I didn't fill it out. My recruiter did every single thing for me. My recruiter filled out every single document. All I did was sign that I agreed to 12 years of service. I agreed to a uh, sign-on bonus uh, and I agreed to be a medic. And so I did all that. When I got there, I was going through medical processing. And so they do a health and physical test and they do a mental health. Well, when they uncovered my civilian medical records, it showed that I had gone through therapy. So right around when I was 19, 20 years old and the whole coming out process of being a gay male, and this was back before Don't Ask, Don't Tell. So um, why should we say this? It was during Don't Ask, Don't Tell um, but then don't ask, don't tell. Basically, it became open to be gay in the military. This was during the time when it was not open to be gay in the military. Okay. So long story short, when they uncovered my military, my, my civilian medical records, they found that I had seen a psychologist and a psychiatrist and I underwent therapy and I was under counseling and it showed basically I signed my life away to say that they could look at this information not knowing that I signed my life away, saying that they collected this information. So when they found out that I was gay, they basically told me that I wasn't mentally fit to be in the military because I was gay. That's the gist of it. So three weeks into this whole dramatic saga, because it was a combination of a lot of emotions from the death of my grandmother, the combination of saying, 
I've dedicated 12 years of my life to this cause. And then realizing that I wasn't going to be able to fulfill it, which was a blessing and a curse. It was a blessing because clearly I was not meant to be in the military. If you know me, you know that's hilarious for me to say if you've never heard this before. And now that you know, you're probably even laughing if you're hearing it. So, yes, I do not belong in the military. I was honorably discharged because I was not mentally fit to be in the military. Not because I had depression or any of those things. It was because I was gay. At that time, you could not be an openly gay male in the military. Period. So moving on from that, I had to come back and start from scratch. I basically gave my mother power of attorney of all of my accounts. I had a really nice cushion of money saved until all the military started paying me, which I received one paycheck three months after I was discharged from the military um, for the time that I was there. And everything that I had saved up until the time that I left, I signed away from my mom so she could take care of my accounts, my assets, and my bills. Cell phone, um, car insurance, credit cards. Does anybody want to take a guess as to what happened to all that money? It was about six or $7,000. Take a guess. She took it, she spent it, and it disappeared. Now, I'm saying this because it's never, ever been talked about. Again, this is all the juicy tea, right? Talk about craziness. Um, and I think it's important just to show that, like, when you fall rock bottom and you have nothing else and you literally have to pick yourself up from the ground by whatever you have in your pocket and whatever you think you're able to going to do, you just got to keep your head up and keep going. I mean... I, I was able to go back home to live with my parents, but it wasn't for a long period of time before they said, you can't live here anymore. And when I see my parents, mostly my mother, um, my dad was a completely different person and more on him later. But it was very traumatic to have to come home and realize that you're basically your whole entire life savings. Mind you, I'm 22 years old. No, I'm sorry, 20 years old. Your whole entire life savings has been depleted by someone who you're supposed to trust. And you now have to think about starting your life again and again <laughs> from, from the same person who's taken you down more than once. That shit will fuck you up. It shakes you to your core. So I feel for people when I hear their stories and... I'm empathetic to that. I can totally understand where people are coming from when they've hit rock bottom. Because when you're born, you expect for the person who gives birth to you to be able to take care of you. And it doesn't always happen. And you become a survivor and you learn how to survive. I've always said I've come from the school of hard knocks and not because I was born in Queens, but because I literally had to raise myself to make decisions that no one else can make for me. And some of them were good, some of them were bad, and I'm still learning, even though I'm 37 years old, gonna be 37 years old, I'm still figuring it out. So I get back, I don't even remember what job I end up taking um, at this point in time. I just know that 
it was a utter shit show for a long time. Um, and it wasn't until I probably turned 26, I want to say, or no, I want to say maybe 24. So my sister passed away when I was 22. See, the 20s are a bit of a blur because of the, you tend to block things out. When you have traumatic events, you block shit out. I remember a conversation I was having with someone about a, eight months ago. And in the middle of a conversation, I realized I had a memory that I had not remembered in a long, long time since I was a child. And it was a very traumatic experience. Um, and I've never really ever shared it with anybody because I blocked it out. So when I was about seven or eight years old, I was molested by my piano teacher. And I completely blocked out that experience. The only person that knew about it was my mother. And I don't think anyone else ever knew about it. I may have mentioned it to other people, but it wasn't like a conversation. And it was really weird. So yeah, sometimes there are certain experiences that our brain decides to block out just because. Um, you know, there were a lot of good things that happened in my 20s. I got two degrees, um, actually three degrees, because I was still not 30 years old when I got my master's. So all three of my degrees, um, I met my hus- my future husband, who was now husband at the time. Um, I had a great relationship with someone who I adored. Um, and his name is Michael Kinsella, and um, great man, you know, lots of fun. And I think that 20s is the decade where ultimately you are meant to make the mistakes in life that you should never make again in your 30s, but also meant to discover the person you want to be and the person you want to become. I'm going to re-say what I said earlier. I don't really think you're an adult until you turn 25 because your brain is still developing until that point. And it's different for men than it is women. For women, it's 22. For men, it's 25. True story. Look it up. Um, You're still learning. You're still figuring shit out. Even when it comes to what you want to do for work in your life, you graduate college when you're 21, 22 years old. What the hell do you know about anything in the world or anything to begin with? You don't have it figured out. You're trying to figure it out. There's so much stress in this world to begin with. How the hell are you supposed to figure out what you're supposed to do next when you're 22 years old? We create this environment for young adults, adolescents, in which they have to have it all figured out by the time they graduate college to then move on to have a job, which should be, allegedly, air quotations, their career. It's crazy what we do as a society to people. And I did not follow that pattern at all because I was everything except the normal. When I went to college, I went to college as an adult. I was 22 years old, so adult by age. Um, I was definitely much ahead of the people that I was going to school with. And 
you know, I mentioned before that I started later. So, you know, of course, I graduated later. It took me, you know, seven years to get that associate's degree, three semesters to get the bachelor's, and then four years to get the master's. And, you know, education isn't everything. I'm a firm believer that you can have an amazing career and an amazing job making really good money. I say my brother, for example, school wasn't for him. And my brother is doing really well for himself, as a matter of fact. Um, as a, God, what is his title? I mean, he works for, and he's been in the beverage industry for 10 years. He has three beautiful kids, an amazing wife. And so he didn't go to school. He saved himself the money. Shit, I'm the one with the debt. <laughs> and I'm with the, I'm the one that makes, that has the job that pays less than six figures. Right? So in all, um, you know, school is not the end all be all. I, I love hearing people's stories about how they got to where they were and what their journey is. And sometimes, sometimes it happens to be that you spend the better part of your 20s in that decade doing something that you then realize it's not meant for you. You then realize when you wake up one day that you've been doing the same job for four or five years and that's not the job you're meant to do. But you really don't know what the job is that you're meant to do. I was fortunate enough that because I went to school later, I had the opportunity to explore work first and then education. So I brought something different to the table. While I was getting my education, I was able to check the boxes of what I really did and didn't want to do because the education was the tool to get me to the better job. Now, granted, I went into a profession in higher education that doesn't pay merely as close to what I was making working for the corporate world. Education does not pay people. You do it because you have to love it, not for the money. And let me tell you something, I don't do it for the money. I do it for the people that I help, the thousands of students who I've been able to help them figure out their own shit. And when I say that, I mean it with love and help them direct them on the path of success for themselves. So even if they decide later on to switch their career path, I've been able to give them the tools and resources to understand how to make that shift, how to pivot into the path where they want to go. That's truly the reward of why I do what I do. Today, I'm on a path where I need to serve a larger audience. I need to serve more people. I want to serve more people. I want a larger audience. I don't want it to just be about students in college. I want it to be about you, me, the person sitting next to you, your best friend, your cousin, your sister, your girlfriend, your wife, your husband. I want it to be about your brother from another mother. I want it to be about the person who's sitting in front of you saying, wow, I've been going to the same, been doing the same thing for five years and I have no idea what I'm doing it for. I want to help that person. I want to help you find the purpose 
that you need to be to be happy, to feel to live a life that you feel fulfilled, to live the life that you've always wanted to live and never knew you could. That's what I want to do. I know that my gift in this world that I'm meant to be doing is helping people figure themselves out. And it sounds weird to say that. It doesn't sound like that's an actual thing. And people sometimes chuckle when I tell them that I'm a life coach and I'm a business coach. Um, And they look at me and kind of roll their eyes. But the idea of who we are as humans, if you're someone who you know you're meant to serve, and meaning when I say, when meaning meant to serve helping people, then you get me, right? So, you know, raise your hand if you're that person out there who's a um, health and wellness coach, or you're a personal trainer, or you're a um, community behavioral specialist, so meaning you work with people with substance abuse and alcohol abuse, or you're the case manager who's helping um, a foster child, or you're a social worker. Those are the same kinds of people. We're here to serve the public or people in general of all walks of life. I've realized that for me specifically, the audience is millennials because I was born in 1983. I realized that most of my entire life, that's the population of people I've been serving, but I never really paid attention to the grouping or the category. And I think it's also about the fact that I've spent so much time in my career. I've spent 11 years so far working in college and higher education and helping people reach their goals. Um, And I think to me, it's really the idea of still creating the space that I wanted to create from day one, where we all have, you know, an inclusive space for, for everyone to be heard, having meaningful conversations. I want it to happen organically, but I also want to take you on a holistic journey where I can help people uncover their passion and their purpose. At the root of it, that's what it comes down to. So getting to know me, kind of to circle this around, close this session out here, um, I, I think that today... Looking back at the last eight years, I've been with a very special person to me who I married two years, almost two years ago in September. Um, I met him in 2012 where I was in transition. I was leaving a great job to move back down to Long Island in 2012. And um, we had this long distance relationship while I was down in Stony Brook, New York, where was my Stony Brook peeps at... Yes, as BU. I love my Seawolves. Um, and we had this long distance relationship. He <laughs> did not want to stay with me in the beginning. Um, but I just was kind of relentless because I thought this was the one. He's the person who I'm supposed to be with. He's my person. And, um, you know, here we are eight years later, almost two years into getting, almost two years of marriage. Um, I'll say this much, and I had someone ask me the other day about a question about marriage. I never wanted to get married. And it's very weird to say that. If he didn't propose to me, I would have never asked him, and I would have never said yes. And the idea of marriage to me is a little bit tumultuous and crazy. Um, 
I could see myself spending a lifetime with one person, um, but just it's just things get weird when you get married. And I know it's weird for me to say that because I'm a married man, but I'm also gay, married to a man. And never in my lifetime did I think that men would be able to marry the person who they love if they're a gay man. Or the same thing if you're a lesbian and you love women. Um, that was an amazing thing when, you know, our president, um, Barack Obama, made that a realization for our country and for our people. And, you know, even after that happened, the person who I was with at the time, my ex, um, he he and I had like commitment rings, but we never got married. We never had a commitment ceremony and, you know, he never ever proposed. And, you know, I would be, I again, I would never, I always said I would never get married. So I wasn't going to be the ones who propose. Um, but I've also dated men who were older than me. And so that goes with saying that I think people think because the older person should propose to the younger person. I don't know. It sounds weird. When you're gay, it's always weird because who's the one that does it? Um, and I've never really, I've had a couple of guys who have dated that were younger than me, uh, but it just never worked. And it just felt like it wasn't right. I think I'm an old soul. Um, I have, you know, so much more that I've lived in and I don't feel like I've ever been able to connect to the same level in a relationship as people who are my age. And it's not because I don't want to, it's not because I haven't, I do. I really, I, I want to have people who are my age that are my friends or to be my friends. But when it came to my relationships, I found myself attracted to older men. I don't know what to say. It just is what it is. And there's nothing wrong with it, you know? And I don't think that love has an age. Love doesn't have a number. So, you know, more power to you to find someone who you truly love and makes you happy. Um, love is love. And I believe that firmly. Um, so, you know, kind of summarizing all this, I know I kind of went from one extreme to the other. Sometimes that tends to happen when you're a squirrel. For those of you who are very easily distracted by shiny objects, I call those people squirrels. You know who you are. Um, but I'm really, really looking forward to the future of this podcast. And I'm so grateful and indebted to the people who have downloaded it, who have liked it, who have left me a comment, who are following it. Please, please, please follow, like. Um, I guess you could say subscribe if that's what it means. Um, but I really, really want you to leave me a comment. Tell me what are the topics you want to hear from our speakers. Um, I'm excited to bring my friend Stephanie next week to next Wednesday's episode. And uh, a couple weeks from now, we'll have um, a couple of you people from the Syracuse community coming on. And then we'll have some coaching sessions, which I'm really excited for. So I'll leave you with the message of love. God bless. I hope you all are safe. Uh, follow me on Instagram at Jose Miguel Longo. Like I said before, if you want to win a free coaching session, be sure to leave a comment in the episode or any of the episodes. Take a screenshot of it, 
post it to your Instagram stories and tag me at Jose Miguel Longo and be sure to follow. If you have questions that you want to send to us, send them to hello at coachingwithjosemiguel.com. I look forward to bringing you many more stories and many more amazing episodes. Thank you so much, Chit Chatters. Have an amazing day. I love you. God bless.